0: Hey, you're listening to the Encounter Church podcast. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit us at ecdenver.org, or you can find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram. Thank you for listening. And so we've been in this series on faith, and we've talked about, you know, how faith is necessary. We've talked about those promises that are in the Bible about how, you know, you mean God has a solution to my issues? And that for every problem we can articulate, there is a promise of God that corresponds to it. And if we'll just begin to, to put our faith in those promises, we will see things change. Which brings us to today. Because today is all about the fact that faith changes things. And I, I, I titled this message, Your Faith Has Made You Whole. And it's from a paraphrase of of a number of stories, but but in Luke's gospel, the 8th chapter and the 48th verse, it says, Daughter, and he's speaking to the woman with the issue of blood and how she reached out and grabbed the hem of his garment. And he said to her, Your faith, your faith, your faith has made you well. Go in peace. Did you know peace is a really good thing to embrace? Have you ever had to embrace crazy? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, you have, there's seasons, this is crazy, this don't make no sense, everybody's gone nuts. And, and in the midst of that, God promises us peace, but, but that peace comes from a place of wholeness, which is the work of the Holy Spirit healing us body, soul, and spirit. And that's, that's the promise that I want us to embrace this morning, that we're going to let faith in God and the power of the Holy Spirit heal us. And in the place of the anxiety and the tension and the just, the the brokenness, God would replace that with peace. Because that just, that is mahalo on steroids. Mahalo is a Hawaiian word. I don't know what it means, but everybody, you see it on the movies all the time. They're going, mahalo, which must mean good. So, (laughs) all right, so let's let's talk a little bit about why, why we should have confidence in this faith, the faith that changes things. So first of all, when you read the Bible, and I hope you're reading the Bible, how many of you actually wrote down some promises to stand on from last week's sermon? Great two people, the rest of you, uh, you know, some confessions to go through, things to think about. Well, when you look at Jesus's ministry, the two things that were the defining characteristics were number one, his teaching, because he taught like no one they'd ever seen before. He could explain scripture with an insight, understandably, that no one had ever seen before. And it freaked people out because he actually understood what God meant by what God gave the prophets and Moses. But the second characteristic was equally powerful. And it was the manifestation of the power of God through his ministry. I mean, Jesus didn't just preach. He prayed and he saw deliverance come. Several weeks ago I told you the pastors and I are standing on a on a on a word that, that I felt the Holy Spirit birthed in me that at encounter people are going to get healed, delivered and set free. We're going to get healed, delivered, and set free. And I'm I'm praying that for myself. I'm praying that for other people. We're just in faith for that. And you saw that during Jesus' ministry. But then he transferred that anointing to his disciples and the apostles and, in fact, to the early church. Because those same two defining characteristics were prevalent throughout the early Christian experience. Congregations got together. They prayed together. They worshiped together. And the power of God showed up. It did. People got set free, healed, and delivered. And that continued for for centuries until, I don't know, somewhere in the Protestant or post-Protestant Reformation. Because then people started getting a little more academic, a little more intellectual. Intellectual. And they began to institutionalize theological truths. And they began to debate about whether or not this scripture means that or this. And again, I thought I think many times they were well-meaning. But, but they literally studied the word of God to the point where they took the power of God and threw it out of the church. And then and, and that was bad. Because Paul talked about it. I didn't come preaching fancy words. I came with a demonstration of the power, which will... Convince you of the truth of God's word. Pastor Marilyn had a, has a slogan, you know, a miracle settles the issue, you know. And it's, it's, it's a wonderful slogan because it's true. And we are desperate for the, the, the manifestation of not only the, the truth of God in our, heart, in our heads, but the power of God's in our heart and in our health. But, you may or may not know this, Around 150 years ago, there were some some pretty bold people who dared to actually believe that what happened in the Bible, Old Testament and New Testament, what happened through the Gospels, what happened in the book of Acts, meaning the manifestation of the power of God and the miracles of God, the stuff that went on then could go on now. You began to see in America, particularly, they would have these faith meetings where they would get together and pray for one another and they would believe God for supernatural healings. And they saw them. They began to believe God for supernatural deliverances. Alcoholics would come into church services and they'd be bound up in. I am a huge advocate for 12-step programs and for for therapeutic issues and addressing all kinds of things through medicine. I believe in medicine. I have doctors. I go to doctors. You should look at my deductibles and my copays. Yes, I know all about doctors. And, And yet, in the midst of that, I do not want to dismiss the fact that the power of God is present to do what doctors can't. And so you begin to see these these brave people who who endured public ridicule, and, and even within the church, they were mocked and made fun of and put down. And yet they said, Can we just simplify this? Let's just give God a chance to do now what he did then. Let us just pray and believe, okay? And God responded, because God always responds to faith, always responds to faith. You put faith in God, something good's going to happen. Seriously, something good. even if you don't get what you're praying for, he just has a better way. Have you ever prayed for one thing and something else happened? In the end, you go, that was a way better way, God. I thank you for that. If you'd have given me what I asked for, it would have been, wouldn't have been nearly as cool. That's right, because God has got it. And so in, in the context of that, I begin to, to, to think about how I could really, you know, tap into that anointing that has been present for this 150 years. And I realized that, that one of those pioneers is actually a part of our congregation. I'm somewhat familiar with her. I'm even related to her. And her name is Marilyn Hickey. And she began to preach the power of God as a woman when women didn't preach. But it had nothing to do with her gender. It had everything to do with her message. It had everything to do with her faith, because God never looks at the exterior. God always looks at the interior. And so I, I was blessed this week, and I want to thank the, the Maryland Hickey Ministries media team, appreciate them for helping to facilitate it. But I was able to go out to Marilyn's home and sit down with her and just had a short interview with her about what it takes to really release the power of God in our lives. Gentlemen, if you would, play the video. Hi there, Encounter Family. I am so blessed to be with my mother in law, Marilyn. And before we get into talking about releasing the miraculous, I, I just want to ask you how are you feeling? How are you recovering? Are you doing well?
1: I'm doing very well.
0: You're doing yeah. very well?
1: Yeah, I felt good. And, you know, broke my hip, I guess. Yeah. But anyway. I'm walking. I'm doing fine.
0: Well, that's excellent. I I feel good. Good. Well, thank you you all for praying for her. And so we look forward to seeing her back at church soon. Yes. But until then, I want to talk to you today because we are in a series on faith. And particularly this Sunday morning, we are talking about releasing the supernatural, releasing miracles into people's lives. And at the end of this service, we're going to have a time of prayer where we're laying hands on people, anointing them with oil, and believing for, for miracles in their lives. But when the word miracle comes up, the person that I think of is you. Because you have, had, you have lived a miraculous life yes. and you have ministered the miraculous for literally 50 plus, 60 plus years, I guess now. So I wanted to just ask you because you're our resident expert on the miraculous to just, <laughs> to just talk to me a little bit and talk to us a little bit. The family here of Encounter, uh, how, what are, what are some keys for releasing the supernatural, releasing the miraculous? In-
1: well, if you're going to release the miraculous, you have to be in the miraculous. Okay. So you have to be in the word, feed yourself the word and let that be first in your life. Not well I don't know if I believe, I don't know. I mean sometimes I've said I believe when I thought, Do you really? But I said it anyway, and I kept saying it and I received the evidence.
0: And so you and I talked a little bit before we recorded this. One of the things that you're very strong on is, is you've got to be daily in the Word of God. You do, and, and you do. Then the second build your faith. Build your faith, and then you talked about about speaking the Word. And we we actually distributed copies of your booklet, Speak the Word, the one that Good. just got revised last week. So they, many of the folks have that in their hands. But you have a whole set of confessions that that you pray that are that are supernatural confessions, right?
1: They are every morning.
0: Now, are those all written down? yes so you would encourage people to to get the confessions that they're standing on the promises of god they're standing on write those down and say those out loud
1: right and speak to the mountain and the mountain moves
0: speak to the mountain you get
1: what's on the other side if you speak to it but if you never speak
0: well and you also said something just a second ago which which prompted me you said that you speak it even when you don't feel it (laughs) a lot
1: A lot because I speak going to certain nations and doing certain things. Yeah. And I speak miracles.
0: Have you ever felt foolish speaking a promise that you didn't feel? Oh, yes. But you just speak it anyway. I did
1: it anyway. Faith goes beyond what your feelings are. You know, you don't feel it, but you say it. And the more you say it, the more you believe it. That's shocking to me.
0: Well, I think it's great advice. would you have any final you know, recommendations for people like me who, who haven't got 70 years of, of faith walking in, but we're, we're wanting to see more of the miraculous. And I know almost everybody in the church, if you ask them, would you want to see more, more, more miracles in your life? They would say yes. Would you have any final words of just well, encouragement? I think
1: you have to feed yourself faith. So you have to read yourself. Right. You can't depend on somebody else to believe for you. You have to feed on faith for you. So I speak it early in the morning. Mm-hmm. I like to speak it then, right? Because I feel like it directs my day.
0: So, kind of like some people tell you to exercise the first thing in the morning, right. you exercise your faith. Exactly. And that's important. Exactly. Thank you so much for letting me come oh. out to your house and, and kind of just talk to you this my morning. My privilege. And uh, thank you all. And we're going to get back to me again teaching on releasing faith for the miraculous. <laughs> Give it up for Mrs. Ziggy. Impressive woman, uh, impressive person, and so that's uh, her advice is not to be diminished and uh, or discounted. I think is a better way of saying it. So you got to feed yourself. Now we're talking about specifically seeing the miraculous, seeing God heal, deliver, set free, freedom, healing, and deliverance. Remember that. And so I, I said, okay. So if I'm feeding myself scriptures that will build my faith for those things, which scriptures should I be feeding myself? I have the promises, but I want to just encourage you. If you want to believe for the supernatural, you need to remind yourself what Jesus did for us and what he did for the people of his generation. I would encourage you to go to the four gospels. I would encourage you to go to the, 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 the book of Acts. And, and I would begin to, to just... Remind myself, what did Jesus' ministry look like? You know, first, the miracles of Jesus. You, you can go, uh, how can I say that? You can go anywhere in the Bible and get something out of it, but if I'm believing for miracles, I want to read about miracles. And you can go to the book of Luke, it's is a great place, and just read through that gospel. You know, Luke was the great physician, and you can just begin to see what God did for people. There's a story where, where, you know, he was at Simon's home, and Simon became Peter, and he was, you know, Simon's mother-in-law was sick, and, and uh, can I tell you a, a joke that Marilyn doesn't like? You, you know, why did, why, why did Peter reject Christ three times? Because he healed his mother-in-law. Uh, sorry. <laughs> it's, uh, it's terrible. I don't know. <sighs> Marilyn doesn't like it either. I just want to point that out, but it's... It's, it's uh, anyway, it's low-hanging fruit. But, but, but you know, G- Jesus says, you know, be healed. And it says, in fact, in, in Luke 4, it says, Standing at her bedside, he, Jesus, rebuked the fever, and it left her. And she got up at once and prepared a meal for them. did not that sound like, you know, mother-in-law, I'm better now, I'm going to cook for you. And, and then as the sun went down that evening... People throughout the village brought sick members to Jesus no matter what their diseases were no matter what their diseases were no matter what their diseases were the touch of his hand healed everyone You can continue Luke to Luke chapter 5 and 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 this is when when he finds a man with an advanced case of leprosy not a little case of leprosy stuff was falling off Okay that sounds gross it was the reality this is a man who's going through a very you know, traumatic, he's not only physically ill, he has been ostracized from the community because as a leper, no one wanted him near them. But he reached out to Christ and he says, Lord, if you're willing, if you are willing, you can make me whole. Jesus, it says in chapter 5, reached out and touched him and said, I am willing. He was not only willing to heal him, he was willing to touch him. He was willing to violate the Jewish law to, to look at him and say, your condition, your sickness, your struggle, your sin, your whatever is not so offensive to me that I'm unwilling to reach out and touch people. I remember when the AIDS epidemic first hit and nobody knew anything, and everybody was scared to touch somebody. And I remember being on a mission trip with a man that had been diagnosed with AIDS. And he was sit- they put me beside him because frankly, they, they didn't know if people would be willing to. And I remember God telling me so, and, I, and I, can I be candid? I was intimidated. I, I didn't want AIDS. You know, what would people think? That was part of the deal, okay? It's the truth. And I remember God saying, love this man. Touch this man. You know, and, and I, I had to, you know, put on my big boy pants and do it. And it wasn't easy. And yet God, guess what? I didn't get AIDS. And he, when he did die, died in relationship with Christ, Christ is never afraid to touch us. You get into Luke 6, and you look at this, this place where, where you have these, these four men with faith, and they take the sick man, and they go to the place where Jesus is teaching, and it's just too crowded to get near him, and they climb up on the roof, and they tear open this thatch, and they lower the guy down. And, and, and when they do that, <laughs> he said this, You know, uh, that that he said, your sins are forgiven you. Doesn't say be healed. He says, your sins are forgiven you. Which seems odd because the man didn't come there necessarily to get his sins forgiven. He came there to be healed. At least his friends brought him there. But as I was studying this, I I, I realized that God was telling me something. And and I kind of knew it in the back of my mind. But this morning, I think he wants to emphasize it, particularly to the online community, Often, we look at the things that are going on in our lives, and we blame ourselves. And sometimes we're right. We did something stupid. We made a poor choice. We chose a lifestyle that was inherently unhealthy. And we look at the condition we're in, and we say, I deserve this. And so when we go to God and say, God, have mercy on me. Please forgive me. God, heal me. There is often a check in our spirit that says you're not worthy of healing because you are guilty of everything. And yet in this story, Jesus doesn't say be healed. He said your sins are forgiven. And in fact, it creates a controversy. And they say, who is this man who can forgive sins? And he said, which is easier to say your sins are forgiven or you know be healed, stand up and walk? And so he then prays and says, be healed, stand up and walk. And the guy walks out. But the point of it is this. I don't know where you're at this morning in your walk with God. I don't know what it is that you may or may not be struggling with that says, I don't deserve for God to do this for me. But hear the voice of God. Your sins are forgiven. Which means that any barrier between you and the healing power of the Spirit of God and the love of God, it's the love of God that motivates healing. There is nothing that you have done that separates you from that okay you are worthy of receiving the answer to your prayer does that mean anyone does that mean you don't need to repent if you're still in something No, nah, you still need to repent you know if, if you're trying to lose weight avoid the donuts <sighs> if you sow to the flesh you reap more flesh All right. I speak of what I know So you continue through this whole book of Luke. You get to the 8th chapter, and, and there is that, the story of Jairus and, and the synagogue official, and Jesus is trying to get to this you know, woman, who the child really, who is, who is either dead or dying, depending on which, which gospel you're looking at. And there is this woman there who, who, who is unclean, just like the leper, and she's got an issue of blood. And so she literally has to walk through the neighborhood yelling, unclean, unclean, unclean. How horrible that would be to be somebody that has to announce to everybody that you shouldn't touch me in case what I have comes on you. And yet she dares the ridicule of people to press in to kind of the crowd. And she doesn't approach Christ. She doesn't try to talk to Christ. She doesn't do anything but reach out and and just in faith, grab hold of the hem of his garment. Many people feel that's the, the tassels from his prayer shawl or not his prayer shawl, but the shawl that, that Jewish men wore. And she received a grace in her life that brought instantaneous healing to her. And Christ pauses and says, who touched me? And they said, well, everybody touched you. And he said, no, no, somebody touched me differently than they touched me. Somebody, somebody reached out and touched me, and I felt virtue or healing flow from me. Now, now Recognize what this is telling us is a lot of people that day were in that crowd and a lot of people reached out to physically touch Christ. But there was something about the way she touched Christ. The attitude of her heart, the attitude of her mind, the expectation that she had of what God was going to do for her in that moment that was different. And that's why it says, daughter, he said to her, your faith has made you well, go in peace. Your faith, it's the same thing Christ says in in chapter 17 to the leper who is a Samaritan. He says, stand up and go. Your faith has made you well or healed you. You need to keep reading those because you forget that Jesus was Jesus, okay? He was the son of God, is the son of God, and he is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And what he did there, he will do for us. If we're willing to be different like the woman with the issue of blood, if we're willing to to reach out to touch Christ, not just with, oh, he's so wonderful, kind of an adoration. It's great to adore Christ. It's great to worship him. But to reach out in faith saying, in our relationship, God, let your grace come in my heart. And we remember as well, not just the stories of Jesus' healing, but what the Apostle James said in chapter 5, verses 13 through 18, that, that you need to remind yourself of the incredible power of worship, forgiveness, and prayers. And he says, Is there any of you suffering hardships? You should pray. Why? So you feel better? Yes, in part, but also so that those things change. How many times do we complain about stuff that we should be praying about stuff? We all are guilty. Come on. But but do we remember what prayer can do? It is powerful. Are any of you happy? You should sing praises. Why? Because it will build your faith. Having an ungrateful attitude for what God is doing in your life is a sure way to diminish the faith that you have. You just need it. Come on. You got up this morning. You should say something good to God about that. An asteroid did not come from heaven and smack your car. I don't know. That's a bit far-fetched. But, but you, know, you know, some days are better than others. You get up and you say, you know, I'm praising you for this and this and this and this. If you cannot articulate what God is doing and has done for you in these last few days, something's a bit off. I mean, seriously, w- w- would somebody open a door for you and you not say thank you? So if such a small act of respect and grace brings you to a place of appreciation, maybe you ought to think about being more grateful to God. I'm not just saying based on James, okay? Are any of you sick? You should call for the elders of the church to come and pray over you. Anointing you with oil in the name of the Lord. Such a prayer, such a prayer offered in faith will heal the sick. Is there ambiguity in that statement? Okay, just checking. And the Lord will make you well. I don't have the power to heal you. None of the people who are going to lay hands on folks at the end of the service have the power to heal you. You know who has the power to heal you? God. But he uses people as a conduit for that power. And if you have committed any sins, you will be forgiven. Confess your sins to each other and pray for each other so that you may be healed. The earnest prayer of a righteous person has great power, and produces wonderful results. We just ought to tattoo that on our eyelids. The inside. Tattooed on the outside is for everybody else. Inside, you get to read it. Elijah was a human as we are, and yet when he prayed earnestly that no rain would fall, none fell for three and a half years. That's, that's pretty powerful. That's a man of faith. And he prayed again, and the sky sent down rain, and the earth yielded its crops. Remember this passage. Encourage yourself. Read it every day. And finally, you need to encourage yourself with past miracles that he's done for you and that he's done for others. Online, I don't think you can see this because it's not two-way, but how many people have received an answer to prayer in your life? Did you know that's miraculous? I watched a guy on TV talking about, you know, Christians and how foolish they were to believe that God answers prayer. And I'm like, I don't know. You ought to try it, bud. <laughs> I mean, give it a shot. You know, just see what happens. You know, give God a chance to show that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Why cut yourself off from the possibility that God wants to deliver you of whatever it is you're going through? Amen. I'm telling you, there are great things ahead if we'll remind ourselves of what God has done. But we also need to encourage ourselves with the victories that we have heard about in the lives of others. Now, this morning, I'm going to share with you some testimonies from a family, uh, the Ritz family. Hello, Ritz family. Wave at me in the back. Are you real people? All right. Is there anything super special about you? Did you, like, have an encounter with God in a cave and get golden tablets or something? I don't know. That's bad. Uh, uh, I know. Please forgive me. Uh, But but you're just people, right? And we've known each other 25 years. Amy, how old were you in 1995? 10. That's how old I was when I... That's uh, no problem, Amy. Amy used to be my assistant, and then she was delivered. Uh, I... uh, God answered her prayer, and the mountain moved. It was, it was but but the Ritzes have seen some some pretty amazing miracles. I'm just going to read a few of these, and and this is uh, from Kim again. Bob, her husband, was in 19 in 2003, was miraculously healed of bone marrow cancer. Seriously, people don't get healed of bone marrow cancer, but such a miraculous healing that I wrote a book, The Good Fight Our Fight With Cancer. She generously has a few copies of these that are available for free at the Information Center if you want to encourage yourself, okay? Uh, I, I have, oh, excuse me. After his first round of chemo, Bob went into a coma and was on a breathing machine for a month. The doctors told us he would not live. He did. He woke up. Cancer was still in his body. He had bone marrow transplant and walked through a year of chemo and severe sickness. And when he were told that the chemo wasn't working, uh, Bob told the doctors, I'm finished with chemo. I'm going to trust God. He attended a small group, allowed the spirit-filled members to lay hands on him and pray. And God healed him of cancer miraculously. And Bob is alive today. Now... I don't advise you to ignore your doctors, and Bob didn't ignore doctors. Bob went to his doctors, but eventually doctors don't have a tool in the toolbox to fix what you got. That's when faith gets real, okay? Then in 2009, my daughter Amy, hello Amy, okay, her first pregnancy was with her grandson Connor, and he is a wonderful young man. He had congenital cystic adenomatoid malformation. Did I come close? Thank you. Uh, in his right lung, okay, he, uh, Amy was hospitalized immediately and remained on bed rest for six weeks. During this time, the baby, baby was described to us as sick, very sick, in heart failure, telling us his chance for survival was less than 50%. They prepared us for his demise. During this six week, the doctors performed intra procedures on him six times during fluid that was accumulating and blocking his lung and heart from forming properly, he was born at 34 weeks. Miraculously, the cyst disappeared at birth. I was there for that. That was cool. I got to say, that was cool. And, and at three days old, Connor became the first child in the entire world to undergo a thoracic lobectomy. Did I say that right? Thank you. Local news teams were in the ICU afterwards to interview our family and the surgeons. Amy gave God all the glory. Connor's recovery was miraculous. He had a follow-up x-ray one year later that his lung had grown back. His surgeons called Amy at home saying, I had to call myself. I can't believe it. Connor has a full lung. His lung grew back. It's amazing. And he's a very healthy, active 15 year old. Hello, Connor. Can you stand up? This is Connor. Yay. Connor, this is when you go, no applause, just cash. All right. It's all right. And then most recently in in their family, and I, we've actually shared this testimony because but her other daughter uh, and, and Katie uh, developed an infection in her lungs during COVID and in her bloodstream. It almost took her life. I mean, I remember going to the hospital and they, they said, get the children here. You know, she was, I believe she was intubated at that point and And they were just saying, you need to say goodbye to your mom, which is horrible. I mean, that's a horrible, I didn't want to say goodbye to my mom, you know, at 30, I can't imagine it, you know, six or eight. And uh, she went from urgent care to ICU in an hour. The first hospital gave up on her, and that's a fact. Told us to, you know, and uh, there's nothing we can do. Uh, a new doctor came in, amazing, sometimes you need a second opinion, and suggested that she be taken via flight for life to the medical center of Aurora to be put on a special machine called an ECMO, or a heart-lung machine, to act as her lungs while she healed. We were told she had a small chance of survival and that she could live on this machine for a week, probably two. The cardiothoracic surgeon described her condition and told us of the severity. He told us to pray. Over the next 62 days, we prayed. We praised the God of the impossible. Uh, we begged for healing. Who hasn't? We asked for more faith. We fought fear. We gathered prayer warriors. We walked by faith, not sight, because what we saw was death. And that's the truth. That, that, that's, that's what was there. We heard the doctors tell us how bad it was. We couldn't believe them. We had to believe God because God spoke life. We saw many small and large miracles along the way. We held on to those. And I remember the pictures you'd send me, Kim, of just and Amy, you too. Of, oh, she took two steps today. You know, and I, holy buckets. John, come on. Uh, we held on to those miracles. We held on to them. Sometimes you hold on to what you got. We were physically and emotionally exhausted. How wouldn't you be? God held us. We brought Katie's nephew, Connor, the lung miracle in the ICU. We, he laid hands on her and prayed for new lungs. We spoke faith. We told everyone in that hospital that Katie would not die but live to declare the works of God. Today she lives, and we declare the works of the Lord. He is good. I remember when she walked in. I mean, seriously. I've, I've been, you know, I had not seen her since the hospital, and I'm standing out front, and in walks Katie. And I went, holy moly, Jesus, thank you, God. That's a Lazarus moment. You, can we, we have a picture of Katie, by the way, don't we? And the family. Did, can we throw that up? Just did we show that earlier? That's her in the hospital, and that's her just in. Where is that at? Hawaii, Disneyland. All right, well that's Florida. That's you know cool. So that's her and that's her. Pretty big difference. Amen. Amen. God is good. Why did I share that with you? Why can't that be you? Why can't that be you? And then somebody goes, well, I've prayed it didn't happen. Okay, so what? You know, there's that wonderful verse in the Old Testament. You know, we believe God is capable, but if God doesn't, yet will we praise him? And I love what Pastor Steve said. You know, we win. Have you read the back of the book? We're going to live forever. We're going to praise God forever. We're going we're to do all of these things forever because God says it. So the question is, are we willing to be bold, crazy faith people enough to just give him the chance? So the issue is, would you like a miracle in your life this morning? Online family, would you like a miracle in your life this morning? Then I'd like to invite our prayer team up. I'd like to invite our worship team up. I'd like to invite us all to get ourselves in a, a, an attitude of prayer. We're going to create a, a prayer line. There'll be people on both sides. We're going to, uh, Pastor Elphas, we have some oil. Thank you. We're going to do what James says. We're just going to dare God to do some cool stuff because God's not done with the miraculous now What I would like you to do is think about what you need God to do for you The woman with the issue of blood did not go up I want whatever God has for me today and reach out and touch the hem of regard it was garment She said I want to stop bleeding. Okay, that's what I want. I want to stop bleeding What is it you want be specific so you know God what I want is to stop hurting I got chronic pain, if that's you. You might be, I want, to, I want my depression to be broken off. I want my alcoholism to be broken off. I want my, I want my, my, my nicotine addiction to be broken off. I want to, I want to quit being afraid of everything. Because fear stinks. And that's not how God wants you to live. I want my child to come home. I want something supernatural. Get specific, all of you. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to encourage all of you to participate in this prayer. You don't have to, nobody's gonna drag you up here, but what have you got to lose? What have you got to lose? Give God a chance to show you that he is and that he is a rewarder of those who diligently seek him. Like that, we're gonna go through from, from your right to my, your left. I'm going to ask this side, if you would. The ushers will dismiss you. Just begin to come forward. The worship team is going to lead us. As they are leading us, let the words of these songs build your faith. And we're just going to pray. Come on, guys. Let's do it. Please just keep walking through the line. Don't stop in the middle. I just ask that favor. So just let let God just minister to you as you walk.
2: Jesus. Jesus. My healer, I will reach for your hand. My great physician, death is not how it ends. The work was finished at Calvary. So my so mine is complete, oh. My testimony of faith will be because of Christ. Would you guys all stand and let's worship together. Oh, the work was finished at Calvary, your body broken, so mine is complete, oh of faith will be because of Christ there's a
0: close your eyes with me close your eyes all right now you you remind yourself God this is what I ask you for you remind yourself online family you remind yourself God this is what I ask you for this is what I ask you for this morning now then you let the Holy Spirit fall just to seal that don't let the Bible talks about how troubles and stuff choke out the word and, and the enemy comes and steals the word nobody's stealing any words in here Nobody's choking anything out in the name of Jesus. Our soil is prepared. Our hearts are open. The Spirit is anointing us. We're not not missing out on what God wants to do in our lives. Father, do something supernatural in our minds to bring to our remembrance all of the verses. I'm going to encourage you to make a commitment to read those miracles, to remind yourself of the things He's done for you, to to look for people you know who have testimonies and ask them to pray for you. Confess your sins, but don't let your sins keep you from God's power and love. Father, we believe that we are a diverse community which means a family we're a family here god and we carry each other's burdens and we want to walk with each other from from glory to glory from challenge to challenge but from victory to victory if anyone you're saying i just i need to i need to just surrender my life to jesus This is the moment to do it. This is the moment to say, God, not my will, but yours be done. I'm done trying to fix me. I'm done trying to live without you. I'm done trying to do things my way. I surrender to you, God, and I want to be a follower of Christ. Forgive me. Bring me into relationship with you. reality is we could stay at this place for the rest of the day and it would not be a waste of time. It would not be a waste of time. But we, we don't hide in church to avoid the world. We take this treasure in earthen vessels and we go out and we make a difference. God loves you. We love you. Keep reminding yourselves. We'll see you next Sunday. Go with God. Thank you for listening. To learn more about Encounter Church, visit ecdenver.org or find us on Facebook, YouTube, and Instagram.